0: We're back, bitches! Yes, with a new episode. Bounce and Bear, season two. It's lit. Who do we have on this week, Melissa?
1: We have BB June from Glasgow. How you doing, BB? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Mel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, mm-hmm. <gasps> just
0: sipping on my tea, you know, doing the usual.
1: I think this is my second cup of coffee. Oh, mm. Dark day. Dark day. Dark day. Indeed. So uh, for those of you who don't know who Bibi is, Bibi is a non-binary performance poet based in Glasgow, originally from Amsterdam, and they are the co-founder and director of In the Works. Bibi, what is In the Works?
2: In the Works is a spoken word theatre company. Uh, that means we make theatre pieces that are based in performance poetry, uh, for us, in our case, specifically Scottish performance poetry. And we, yeah, so it's, it's a theatre piece, it's a narrative, it's a plot, but it's all in rhyme. Sometimes, that is insane. Um, I've seen BB,
1: um, do the Nine Hundred Club. Um, I didn't get a chance to see your first play. Thank God. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I can't say anything. But I assume it was great. I mean, you had an incredible um, cast and team. Um, That's true. Ross McFarlane, mm-hmm. uh, Ellen Renton, and Shannon O'Neill. So you guys are like you know, I've never seen four people, you know, produce such high quality content before and Thank you. Thank you. Dream Yeah. Team. Dream team mm-hmm. is it's the best true. way to describe it's really it. Great. Um but yeah, we met at Unislam in twenty seventeen T- and
0: two years ago. Yeah. We met last week. <laughs> <laughs> A week ago. Oh my, oh my god. It feels so much first longer. impressions, first impressions <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> I bet you were like, who is this bitch? <laughs> So for those basic people like myself, can one of you please explain what UniSlam actually is? UniSlam is a uh, slam competition uh, between
2: universities in England, Scotland and Ireland, and it's kind of grown throughout the years to become much more than that, so now there's lots of workshops, there's um, the National Youth Poetry Showcase or Slam, I'm not quite sure, Uh, and there's just a lot going on lots of students from all over who do fantastic poetry uh it's run by toby campion who's a great poet himself and organizes the whole thing and great created that as well so multi-talented uh, and it usually takes place around january february something so it's like a conference kind of yeah yeah yeah, weird artists. yeah
0: that's pretty cool mm-hmm. and so then when did it, like ireland start getting involved
1: uh i think we were the first year 2017 we? as in the irish team we were the first Irish team That
0: Which, who was, like, who was the first Irish team? Like, a, I don't know who was involved in that Alright, so it was
1: uh, myself uh, It was a Crack Spine collective, essentially So it was myself, Nal Conway Beatrice Adamantita, uh Dermot Christopher, and Cueva Donnelly We were the first team from Ireland to compete And then um, there, there was another team that went on the following year
2: And that first year was also the first year we went from Glasgow
0: And how did you guys get involved with that?
2: Um so the Edinburgh team had actually gone in the years before okay, cool. and won the whole thing, I think oh, several um... years in a row. Um Damn, we didn't know that actually. So, like, was that like a um, secret? No, it wasn't a secret anyway, but it was just something that was like public knowledge that we weren't aware of, or at least I wasn't I the others were. Um but then we went as the first Glasgow team. And came down to Leicester that first year, and that was also your first year, and then we met mm. there. And we like now, clicked and...
1: straight away. I think mm-hmm. we were the only Celts, and we we're like, at least yeah. one of us has to win. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It was like us versus the English, a little bit, <laughs> little bit, little bit.
1: Um. So we was... didn't
2: win, but hey,
1: who won that year? Oh God, who won that year? Won that year? It uh, I think it was one of the London teams that won that year. Oh Goldsmith? yeah, it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Goldsmith. Yeah, Goldsmith won. Um, but both the Scottish team and the Irish team but made it to the semi-finals, which was pretty cool. And um, so we didn't get kicked out in the prelims,
0: which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. Like I, I'd say, most people who are in college who were listening to this probably didn't even know that Unislam existed.
1: Um, I think in Ireland it's not really well known at all. Um, so, but it would be really cool to see um more Irish teams go abroad. Um, to I think it's in Birmingham this year. Yep, it is. Um, so does that change every year? Well, it was not Leicester for the last two years. I think it's also been in
2: Edinburgh before. Yeah. Um, then it was Leicester for a bit, and now it's Birmingham. So I don't know what the future sp- future plans New are. But... <laughs> maybe, mm. maybe if Dublin team wins at some point, you oh. take it home.
0: Oh. Pressure. Challenge acceptors. <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely.
1: And um, but you've been invited, Bibi, to do a workshop this yes, year yeah. at Uni uh,
2: which is really fun because I went the first year as a competitor. Uh, with my team, and in the second year, I came back to because I wasn't a student anymore. Um, so I went as a coach for Team Strathclyde, which is also a Glasgow team, technically, um, just a different university. And then this year, I'm going to, yeah, lead a workshop and judge some of these poor students. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a very, very nice judge. Um, yeah, that'll be great. It's really exciting to be invited, obviously, and I'm very happy that I get to go. Can you um, give us a quick spoiler on what it's about? It mm, yes. Well, it won't be a spoiler by the time this comes out, so... True, sure, true. Sure, no. <laughs> um, so my workshop will be about uh, writing a poetry show. Uh, I've written a couple by now, uh, so I thought that'd be a nice way to kind of introduce people to that. It can be quite scary, I think, to go into that from writing shorter pieces, um, and
0: I'd like to think I have some knowledge to share about that, so... Right, so many questions. Right, so firstly, right, we're gonna go into the whole writing a poetry show thing. Mm-hmm. Like, but I personally would like to know because I don't think we've kind of touched on it yet. But like, who you are, you know what I mean? I'm an enigma. Who you are as a person, how you got into spoken word, mm-hmm. that whole thing, you know, like your origin story, yeah, my origin yeah. story.
2: Uh, I started about five years ago, I think. Uh, I. Moved from Amsterdam to Glasgow, when I was nineteen, and then was in university. And when you were nineteen. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. It happens. It, does happen. it was great, actually. It was really fun. Really? Uh, yeah, and then what, kind of what drew you to Glasgow? Uh, it was the university that accepted me.
0: <laughs> that often happens. As well. <laughs> it was
2: meant to uh, be. Yeah, it was the definitely universe. no. It was great. Uh, it partially, you know, free tuition in Scotland. its great. Jesus, um,
0: yeah, I forgot about that. That's handy, isn't it? Love to... the EU. Yeah. Love it. It's great. <laughs> love it.
2: Uh, Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I moved there, started university, kind of got settled and then friends of mine started a sort of university open mic night for spoken word. So stories or poetry, all that. And I'd always been like, I was one of those kids who wrote a lot, but I never wanted to be a writer, per se. I just mm-hmm. really enjoyed writing. Um, Did your course, was it something to do with this? Oh, no, 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 or? not at all. I studied sociology. Oh, yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, social scientist. Yep. Go for Go for um, So very unrelated. Uh, it, in terms of my work, I do cover a lot of those topics that I also studied, so that yeah. does really help, but yeah, I, oh, I didn't study writing sense. at all, yeah. Um, then went to that open mic performed one or two poems that I've written before uh, and loved it it's just an immediate click of like I love doing this and I don't think it was a click in the sense of like I want to make this my job it was just a I want to do some more of this um, struggle a bit in the first year like there are a lot of events on in Glasgow a lot but I struggled going I think going on your own can be quite scary and then especially if you're performing so it took a while but then I met some people I met Ross McFarlane who I now work with uh, in the works and we're like besties, no not too, uh, <laughs> irrelevant but still. Uh, I met him and we kind of went to a lot of events together, he'd been doing it for about a year as well and that really helped and then from there on I started doing it more and more and more and then in my f- year like studying for my masters I kind of went well I'm almost done with university might as well become a poet because it seemed like about as as attainable as getting a real job (laughs) at that point in our economy um yeah that's that's my original story
0: i love it so when you first tried to get on the scene you you mentioned that there were lots of different nights in glasgow is that still the case now or
2: yeah there's a bit of fluctuation i think so five years ago was about the start of what I would say was like a really big build-up of a lot of energy, a lot of new people coming in, a lot of new events. Uh, it was great to be a part of that. There what were events. That? I don't. I'm not sure. I think people like to talk about performance poetry as if it is this new thing that's now becoming really popular, but that's not the case at all. It's actually quite old, and it's existed for for decades. Mm. Um, and events have been going for decades, actually, and so it it has this curve to it you know you get periods where it's really really popular really successful there's a lot of events on and then it quiets down a bit again and then you get another one of those waves are these events
1: like um like in dublin we would have an open mic and um, you know in the basement of a bar is that kind of the same yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a
2: lot of that there's um i think one of the biggest sort of most popular open mic nights uh is called in deep it's in a bar called in deep and it's it used to be once a month when I started and it slowly over the years become three times a month Mm -hmm. which is great yeah it's a a lot of poetry (laughs) and do you
1: have like a lot of people coming in
2: yeah those are always super packed um a lot of students coming in people who don't do poetry which is you know some events get mostly poets in and then some get a really an audience that just wants to have a fun night out Mm. um and there's a lot of that there used to be when I started out there was a bunch Then there was a whole lot for about a two year period And yeah. then it kind of settled down Into this happy medium uh, That it's currently at I'd say Yeah
1: yeah. Um, so that was like um, There's lots of stuff five years ago And there's still kind of lots of stuff now How can you picture the scene um, Evolving for the next Couple of years, say so five years time <laughs> What would you like the scene yeah. to be Like
2: Um Yeah, there's a lot that I would like to see, I think, Uh, especially now that I'm working on that myself as part of my job to sort of make sure that more things happen. Uh, I think there's a bunch of events and those are great and those need to be there. I also think there's a need for more professional development opportunities, uh, workshops. There's a bigger need for feedback and sort of places where you can go to get feedback in in a friendly way rather than in a mean way mm. um just general more professional opportunities uh more paid work obviously not everyone wants to or can go into that but for the people who do i think it's currently really hard to make it work for yeah. you um and it'd be great to see po- performance poetry get more respected as an art form get more funding get more opportunities and so that's what i'm working
1: on yeah i feel like we're in the same boat here in ireland as well um and it's a grass grassroots movement, and um, I think mm-hmm. that describes it because we are very much at the ground level, and we're trying to build it up as well mm-hmm. and create new opportunities for poets and performance artists as well.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing there is that you're nearly like, yes, there is a scene, but you're nearly like building a scene. You know what I mean? You're like building the foundation for like a sustainable community. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, trying to demand that respect, especially, like, long-term, is so incredibly difficult. Especially when you've been in it for a long time and mm. you started as a student as well. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's just, yeah. it's it's hard kind of demanding respect. Like, has that been case yeah. over there as well? Or? A little bit. I think you're always
2: going to have that. You know, in your own in your hometown, there's always going to be a little bit like, ah, I knew you when you were just starting out. Yeah. Um, which is, it keeps you humble. Like, that's good in a way as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it gets difficult when you're still so much trying to find your feet as we are. Like, we're, you know, in the works as a very young company. We started less than a year ago. Uh, obviously, we've been working on these things for much longer, but we're very new and we're doing well. But the measure of success, the bar for that is quite low, I feel, because it's not a professional art form at the moment and so for us success means you know getting the occasional funding getting some applications yeah. back with a positive result um but we're still we're going from project to project and we're very much still scraping by in that aspect mm. so it, it's you need to build it up I do also think you need to kind of grind it you need to like yeah get earn that respect very much uh, I don't think yeah we don't expect anyone to turn around and be like yeah well
0: yeah that makes sense yeah here's yeah.
2: everything have it and, and, and run with it and do whatever you want you need to show that you can do it and that's fine Uh so I think yeah respect in that sense is a difficult word to, to use for that almost because mm. I do you do need to show that you know when you go from a, a, a very underfunded art form into I want funding for these projects one thing you can't show is that you've handled those finances before for example yeah and I think that can be hard to to find an opening in that section and to prove to people that you are responsible and can do that and that you're not just gonna waste it all on like hiring your pals to do poetry for you. Just don't It is
1: it is difficult to um pitch an idea that you can't compare it to anything else. And the closest thing you can compare it to is almost like, you know, it's a music night, but it's not music and storytelling, but storytelling isn't really like it's kind of in the same boat as well. So you're trying to find things to compare it to, and then they go, Oh, so it must be like this, and you're like, Well, no, that's the Mm -hmm. closest thing I can compare it to. So yeah, it it is a leap of faith. I think once someone in whatever council we're applying to sees it as like okay no this does seem like something we can do that's mm-hmm. and i think just that just that one leap of faith will yeah help us because if we can then compare one project to the other then we can build on the projects that mm-hmm. are being done so yeah,
2: yeah. not for sure I and like i think that. you see a lot of there is a lot of growth in spoken word and there are quite a couple of popular shows at the moment that are doing well and i think that being seen really helps because people go like oh i can i can Visualize this to an extent, uh, kind of vaguely understand what you mean when you say you want to write a spoken word theater show, things like that. And there are, you know, in Scotland, there are a couple of people now who are working their way to being a professional artist or already are. uh, And then alongside being an artist, also do a lot of organizing. And that's great to see. And there's people going into different directions with spoken word, with performance poetry, and succeeding in that direction. And it's very much everyone carving out their own little path. Are there many Mm, Depends on how you look at it. I don't think many is the right word. I think there's...
0: uh, We're trying to do it in a professional capacity anyway.
2: Yeah, I think... It's obviously not that many. um, But it's starting to get to a point where I feel like it's getting more healthy. Um, It's... For a while, it was one or two. And I think now we're getting to where there's a bit more of a spread. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really good because everyone obviously approaches it in their own way and that mix of people always gain better results than just one or two people so we're getting there slowly. Yeah.
1: I feel like Glasgow has almost a better maybe industries throughout term and um, I saw that you guys got some really big American spoken word artists coming mm. over and mm-hmm. did like you seem to have venues that mm. can accommodate that and you have yeah. poets that can um, you know, be supporting acts like I mean, we had Saul Williams there, um, in two thousand eighteen, um, and then I think Lingo was probably the last big kind of festival or event that was able to bring these poets over, and you know, bring audiences in and be like, okay, well, we've got Irish spoken word and we've got American spoken word and we've mm-hmm. got English spoken word and it's like you know, bringing bringing it all together and, yeah, yeah, when, um, Sabrina. Yeah venom yeah venom came over yeah i was like i wish i wish we could have that in Ireland mm. or in dublin like bring yeah. these poets over as well so i think
2: it really helps that glasgow has such a big background in being uh, a music place like a lot of big big people yeah. will make glasgow their scotland date uh so we have big venues we have this culture of life life culture like performances whether it's music or other things we have a lot of music open mic so i think we definitely ride a bit on that tail um and it's been really helpful but on the other hand those big artists come over and there's a full crowd there of like 100 150 people and that's great but those people don't come to local spoken word nights yeah. you know they know yeah. these people from the internet and enjoy that poetry and come and see it but don't realise that that's going on in their own city so there's definitely an element of popularising spoken word local spoken
0: word yeah which is quite different to the issue here that we're having in Ireland because I feel like we don't even have a popular like we need to popularise spoken word before we popularise local spoken word you know what I mean (laughs) like it's Mm. not a thing here like at (laughs) all
2: yeah yeah I feel like from what I've seen so far being here for the past two weeks I feel like you can compare it a little bit to Glasgow a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah.
2: And it, and it's not that far. Like, you know, you do have people doing it. You have people who've been doing it for a while and are confident in front of a crowd and are doing well and are writing lots. And it's, it's getting there, but it seems to be like where Glasgow was a couple of years ago, yeah. But we're going to get it. We're we'll catch up, it. lads.
0: We will catch up. It'll take us a while, but it'll <laughs> happen. It yeah. will happen. So, speaking of poetry... I think it's about time that we actually heard a poem.
1: Absolutely. Hooray. Do you want to introduce your first poem?
2: Yes, uh, I do. This poem uh, is called Kinsey Skill. Um, Actually, the full title is Kinsey Skill for the Emotionally Fragile Queer. Uh, And it's a rewriting of the original Kinsey Skill, which is a sort of way of measuring queerness in people. So it goes from zero to six, with zero being uh, kind of... Tragic heterosexuality. Someone who is like only attracted to. <laughs> 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 For people who are only uh, attracted to people of the other sex, and other sex, um, and then it goes to one, two, three, three being like perfect bisexuality. Fifty-fifty um, split. Fifty-fifty, <laughs> you know, complete. Yeah both sides whatever both means I in that regard showed,
0: like, is that scale does that uh, measure like amory or sexuality or like what what is well it's time, orientation
2: isn't it at the time that scale was made there wasn't really a distinction yet between love and sexual attraction so Got it, it kind of goes both okay. ways a little yeah. bit but then yeah so three is bisexual six is the perfect homosexual and then you have X which is for people who don't experience sexual attraction which we would now call asexuality um and that's the Kinsey skill so that is obviously bullshit um and this poem is my rewriting of the Kinsey skill as a queer person who's struggled a lot with you know figuring out identity of and course. where do I fit and you do want to put yourself on that skill like am I a perfect three am I a perfect yeah. bisexual and is bisexuality somewhere in between straight or gay or is it it's own? you know so mm. I think that's a narrative we have a lot in society still, and I wanted to rewrite that into something that I felt fit better with what me and my friends experience in life. So, Kinsey Skill for the emotionally fragile queer. Zero. Who hurt you? One. Your mother says she's not homophobic. No, not her. Not in this country. We are tolerant. We are progressive. We are good people, trademark. She still cannot imagine you coming home with a girl. Tells you how much easier it would be to date a man, but all her boyfriends have seemed so very difficult and you've always found that hard to understand. She says, I've thought a woman was beautiful or sexy before too. It's totally normal. The word twists itself into your brain like one of those songs that overstays their welcome. Normal. Normal. Two. When you were 13 and afraid, you knew a girl who was 13 and afraid and one day you noticed the nape of her neck. The strands that have been left out of the bun for that messy look, that effortlessly beautiful look, that gay girl who is too young and too messed up to no look. Your hand would have fit so beautifully on the curve of her spine, the small of her back. You want nothing more than for your first kiss to have been her, but girls like boys, not girls, and girls find girls beautiful, but don't we all? And do we really know how not to be normal yet? 3. My parents named me Bibi at birth, as if they knew. By means two. by bi means binary, by bi means transphobic, no fuck that shit. By means wanting the world to love you back so hard that you suffocate yourself in easy romance. But there is nothing easy about living in a straitjacket, a parody of instability, of compulsive heterosexuality. My name is Bibi, and I am bi, and I am non-binary, and those things are not contradictory. Four. I am predominantly homosexual, but more than incidentally heterosexual. Actual line from the Kinsey skill. 5. Some queer boys never get to feel the touch of another boy in their life. Queerness does not inherently liberate us. The straight girl that kissed you once but never spoke to you again may become a gay woman in an unhappy marriage. You are not the only victim here. None of us will make it out alive without burning down the whole institution. Some of us light the fire that blows up the building. Some of us only barely make it out alive before it burns. We do what we can. Six. Most queer adults did not get to be queer children. They did not get to queerly come of age, did not get queer teenage years. Most of us relive these days through impossible nostalgia for a time that never was. For the last day of class when summer starts and you have your first crush and she kisses you in late August under a baby boy blue sky and you whisper that you were not a girl nor a boy and she helps you cut your hair and after, no one beats you up on your way home. When you get there, You tell your parents you are gay or queer or trans and they say, we love you, we love you, we love you. X, queerness is not measured in tally marks on a wall. There is no one keeping score. Welcome home. We love you, we love you, we love you.
0: So BB is one of the best names I've ever heard in my whole entire life. Thank you. And it like suits you so well. Like, all three poems, in other words, you, you'll hear later on, like, it just, it just, it oh, It sounds like a stage name, you know what I mean? Like, people dream of having a name like that, you know? Yeah.
2: It works quite well, because B.B. June is my actual first and middle name, uh, and that's my stage name, uh, and that, it, it works really well as a stage name. So, so
0: handy. Vanessa, do you have a stage name?
2: no I do not oh wait wait wait
0: it actually in a previous episode we said we were going to come up with a stage name but we never actually did yeah
2: I midge. mean midge.
0: Bridge, I midge 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 why midge I'm, I'm not gonna M- Melissa
2: Ridge midge <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll try, I'll try it out next time and midge see, oh, I'm yeah. sorry
0: you don't seem like a midge
2: but I feel like you have to like start with your stage name yeah otherwise yeah. it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I think I switched from using my full name including my surname which no one can pronounce and I was just like, I'll just drop the surname. And then I was like, Bibi June actually is like a decent stage name. It's oh, a really 100%. good stage
1: name. And that line, <laughs> that, that line in that 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 line in poem is just like, you know the one. Yeah, you know the you one. Know you know the one. Get it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. You're Thank like,
0: damn. You. Oh. It's one of those kind of ones. Well, when my I make my debut as Ireland's first and um, hon spoken word artist, um, I will definitely consult you on what my name should be. <laughs>
2: cool.
0: cool. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Right. So in the first third of this podcast we spoke a lot about spoken word theater now i'm gonna have to get y'all to rewind yeah this is this is your jam so mm-hmm. we're gonna what what, to what the jesus is spoken word theater
2: <laughs> so spoken word theater it, it kind of comes in many forms uh basically everything that's spoken word in a long form format that kind of carries a narrative whether it's an emotional one or a plot one
1: could it be summarized as a play where the dialogue and narrative is poetry
2: mm, well it doesn't even have to be dialogue so so it literally is yeah a play it, but it can also be uh, a collection of poems sewn together mm. with with good chat in between that carries a, an emotional arc, you know? Yeah. So it can, it can really be many things, but what we do is create theatre pieces, including a narrative and a plot, um, that are fully written as poetry. And they're generally character pieces as well, um, which means we, we play characters, yeah. so not ourselves.
0: Wait for the listeners, who is we?
2: Uh, we is myself, and then Ross McFarlane, Ellen Renton, and Shannon O'Neill, who we are the ones who made The 100 Club, and we made A Matter of Time as well.
1: Uh, I wanted to ask you, had you seen Spoken More Theatre before um, starting production on A Matter of Time?
2: Uh, I, we hadn't seen it in the way we do it. Uh, and the way we do it was kind of just a happy accident. It was it literally came from what we wanted to write about. Um, and what was we, this? So, A Matter of Time... We wrote in 2017 Early 2017 And then it debuted at the Edinburgh Festival. Fringe uh, In 2018 uh, 17, sorry Yeah, 2017 17. Yeah. Wow. So not even that long ago So, it's, yeah. It's, yeah.
1: Who, who did you see beforehand? And what like what yeah. made you go we, we gotta do that Or were you inspired by anyone in particular? Or was it just you came together as a group And decided, right, mm. we're awesome poets Let's fucking do this <laughs>
2: uh, I think, so there are couple of people on the uh in Glasgow poetry who write more narrative work um Kevin Gildea is one Leila Josephine is another and I don't think at the time I'd seen because Leila's show Hopeless came out at the at the same time as ours did uh great show as well um so I hadn't seen any of that but they do also write more narratively so we had seen that um I sort of kind of started writing more, uh, with trying to fit more inside those three minutes and trying to use like gimmicks or kind of tricks to condense information, and mm. which we also use in our plays a lot. Um, and then we went to Unislam together, and Unislam really encourages collaborative writing, which mm-hmm. is something that doesn't happen that much in most places I've been to, which is a shame because it's great. Um, so we. Came together for that, wrote a poem for that together that we then never performed, which is a total shame, but we were saving it for the final that we didn't get into. Uh, (laughs) So we had that. We'd done that. We really enjoyed it. And then after UNISLAM, we're like, well, let's continue writing together. What do we want to write about? Well, what matters to us? Um, And I think
0: for us- A matter of time? a matter of time. That that name came later.
2: Uh, No, it, it, I think we wanted to write about climate change. uh, And then we were like, how can we make that entertaining? (laughs) you know entertainment is a big factor for me and why I do this it's you know create something fun that people want to listen to that then teaches them something or makes them think about something so make them feel things (laughs) yeah exactly and we wrote about climate change and sort of generational responsibility towards the people that come after us and time travel because everyone loves time travel Uh, and then we could pitch it as like a sci-fi story about this and all these cool things and in reality it was a poetry show about climate change um, so that was our first show and it was it, was, it wasn't it was great it was like people going we can do this and never having designed an hour long show before so being like we don't know what the fuck we're doing you know we're just gonna write some poems and we're still really proud of it but yeah. we can see the difference in having gone into our second show the 900 Club was such a different idea of how to do that yeah um,
1: and the 900 Club um, I got like a four star,
2: five star mm-hmm. rating. Four
1: and five stars, yeah. Yeah, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really happy with it. <laughs> yeah, that. I can tell, I can tell. Yeah. Right, that's I'm
0: just going to reel this back like a little bit. Mm-hmm. So this makes sense in my head, but I can't picture it. Mm-hmm. What does this actually look like?
2: Right. So probably the best example is the 100 Club um, because that's our latest show and mm-hmm. it's a very straightforward setup. So the 100 Club is... Four people on a bus. And that the, the whole show, they're on the bus. So we're in these four seats, and we stay there, and we play a character. So it's not us. It's someone else. Uh, those four people used to be a friend group of five. One of them died. They fell apart after that, I haven't seen each other for five years. And now they're reuniting to go on what used to be their annual camping trip. So they come to this bus. There's a lot of tension There's a lot of unsaid things, you know, a lot of feelings that have been hurt. And that's the whole hour. They go through that. Talk about the past, and then it all ends really lovely and nice. Mm. Uh, And obviously, there's
0: a lot more to it, but that's the foundation. It's like
1: minimalist theater. Yeah. So, is there like
0: a staging like element? Is there music? Barely. Um, There's no music.
2: There's no background sound. Uh, It's just for. We've been using stools so that we still sit slightly above the audience, but we do sit down for the entire piece. Um, There's a bit of walking around, but not much. It's mostly just us sitting there. We act again minimally um, there's acting there's reacting to each other but it's not like a full theatrical play is
0: Um, there any improv at all or nope
1: and it's it's not just one person says a long poem the other person says a long poem there are bits and pieces where you have sewn it together and um, you used um, what's the name of that famous um, play what's it no Hamilton right yeah yeah you showed me a song from Hamilton that like kind of kind of gives an example of how to do it Mm, yeah well we didn't we
2: didn't do that particular technique in in but Hamilton is you know one of my big inspirations in terms of writing because it's fantastic Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but it it, yeah it's it's about using language so on the one hand there's like the actual written words how Mm. do you use that you know that's poetry and then there's how do you create a performance that says more than what the words are saying just the words so for example we use in one poem um, we had we had this moment in the show About halfway through where we got into a fight We knew we needed the characters to get into a fight uh, And then we were like How are we going to do that Because that, a fight is quite hard to act And it's quite mm-hmm. hard to describe Or like not even describe but, but watch people get into a fight And do that naturally yeah. We're like how can we condense Getting into a fight in a poem So what we did is We played with the, the game Jinx The travelling game
0: Oh no, boss!
2: Yeah. Uh, so we so we have characters jokingly jinx each other, and then things get more heated, and they keep jinxing each other, and so they keep basically shutting each other up, which is really annoying. And so people get more annoyed, and tensions rise. And that's the three-minute poem. Whereas if we hadn't used that gimmick t- to write that fight, it would have been much longer because it takes so much longer for people to get into a fight if you're just having them talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And so we use Jinx to have them get into a fight real quick, because how annoying is it when someone goes like, "No, you shut the fuck up right now!" Like I'm gonna talk for a bit. Yeah, and that really worked. Yeah, that worked out really well. And then we have a big moment where one of the characters jinxes the rest and goes like, "Shut up! I have a secret to tell you." And it's this tense moment where suddenly, from this loud fight, we go into a really quiet moment, and that's probably my favorite moment of the whole show. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how for us the added benefit of writing a longer piece versus writing a three-minute piece is that you get to play around with all these structure and gimmicks and and fun ideas to put in there. And that's, to me, what spoken word theatre means.
0: And so there's probably a lot of people who are listening who think, oh my god, I would absolutely love to do that. Like, that sounds, like, right up my alley. So for anyone who wants to get involved and, you know, write their first show piece Mm -hmm. performance show show i have no Mm -hmm. idea show 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 (laughs) (laughs) like how how do they go about finding people Mm. you know to do that with and you know building a team together and like writing a script and writing pieces and how does that work
1: that's what in the works is about isn't it
2: kind of yeah so we are we are very much wanting more people to do that uh Mm -hmm. we find it really fun we think it's a great art form Uh, i want more people to do it so we're trying to create more opportunities for people to get into that. But it is also something you can start on your own. Uh, it's hard. Because yeah, like I said, narrative design and structure is something very different from writing a three minute piece that needs very little structure. Mm. Um... So it's hard, and I would recommend just you know if you have any friends that you write with. If or... you have any friends, <laughs> <laughs> if you have any poet friends is what I meant. <laughs> like... no, but yeah, do it do it with people that you genuinely like, because uh, you're gonna get into this thing that you're gonna give each other a lot of feedback. You're yeah. gonna give each other a lot of criticism. Uh, it's quite hard. It, you know, a show needs a lot of editing and a lot of, a lot of rewriting, and sometimes it can be really hard to hear someone say this doesn't make sense. Rewrite it. Um, So do it with friends, learn to trust each other Try maybe writing some some pieces together before you go into writing a show That can help And then find something you're all interested to write about And map out what you want to write Don't just start writing a full show because that will go terribly Map it out Do you
1: have to be good at acting to do this?
2: I wouldn't say so Um, None of us are professional actors in any way you know we're performers uh and i I do tend to refer to it as performing rather than acting it just so happens to be that you're performing as a character Mm. so I, i guess that is the definition of acting but i think poets performance poets in general already do acting on stage in the sense of you know when you're doing a poem and you're reproducing a certain energy energy or performance that is acting in a way um and that's what we do and that is kind of something we've had to learn in the past two years because it's, it's a bit strange to do it sometimes. But when you are there in front of an audience, it actually comes quite naturally to react to what someone else is saying. You're not just going to sit there stone-faced and not react. So yeah. I, it's not a part that I would worry about. It's also something that you can work on if you're not very good at it. You know, it's not... If you're a great writer and you think you'd really like to write more narrative stuff or longer stuff, do it without worrying about it that particular part
1: do you find that working in such close quarters with other poets working on the same project helps you in your own uh, individual work as a poet
2: yeah it fucks it up <laughs> 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 it's really it, it, it um, my writing has changed so much probably for the better but it is hard to go from this quite sort of isolated I write my poetry and I feel comfortable in that to having so much of your work critique not harshly but still you know that constant feedback is not something you usually get and then you grow and develop and then you go back to writing your own stuff and you're like I've lost my innocence (laughs) like I can never go back to that and sometimes I miss that a little bit but then I'm like I've become a better writer for it I've become a hard, you know I've become a better criticizer of my own work as well and I tend to cut things more easily and I think the bars just set a little higher because on a show you spend like you know months Mm. going over these sections again and again and again yeah. and then I never did that with my own poetry whereas now I'm like I'm gonna edit the fuck out of
1: this since um, writing A Matter of Time and The 900 Club mm-hmm. have you gone back to your first debut pamphlet Begin Again And
2: yeah that actually came out in between A Matter of Time and The 900 Club okay. so that um, was another project uh, <laughs> and that it had a lot of older poems in it and I had some in it that I wrote for the pamphlet um, but it was very much a wanting to get out a certain side of my poetry to get this foundation down so that i could work from there because i find it hard especially when writing about things like gender or or my racial identity and how i feel about those things is i i tend to pander a lot to my audience Mm. and use really accessible language and, and easy to understand emotions but sometimes i feel like I go into a parody of what my emotions actually are. Because mm, I get that. Because you become... You know, when, when I perform a poem about race in front of an audience of mostly white people, there's this... They have this image of what it's like to be a certain thing. And I feel I have to use that image to make it identifiable for them. And if mm. I don't do that, they won't get it or they won't like it. And maybe that's just me having a hang up about it. Maybe that's me feeling that way and not necessarily maybe it's not necessarily true. But I felt that way a lot about queerness. And so I wrote the pamphlet about being queer. Uh, and I got out all the sadness and then I wrote a happy ending. And mm-hmm. that then it felt like I was allowed to then write happy poems about being queer without every time having to be I know it sucks, but also you know yeah. and it's and just do what I wanted to do. Um, and it was my first time writing poems down to be published on paper which was very strange um it's not necessarily my thing I'll probably do it again at some point but (laughs) it it, I'm much more a performer I prefer writing shows over pamphlets or books you have
0: Um, a beautiful voice as well so look would you ever consider like doing an album or something like that
2: yeah I've definitely thought about that I think I would love to publish more of my work in the form of a performance or something to listen to rather than something to read um i have enjoyed more page poetry recently and writing it as well there are things you can do on page that you can't do in performance there are things you can do in performance that you can't do on page so it's good to do both um it makes you a better writer but i do love performance so yeah absolutely i think that would be my preferred way of going forward with publishing stuff
1: have you thought about um like you have um print and you have and um, the album have you thought
2: about doing a film of so- like, Are you offering? <laughs> like, don't, don't uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I go through so many plans in my head yeah. all the time. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of really awesome poetry videos out there uh, yeah. that I really enjoy, and I think I enjoy film as an art form, and I think it mixes quite well with poetry. But it is something you need a team for, and of course, I don't currently have the the resources to do that. I think it can be quite hard to get that together.
1: Because I was super excited when you said that the 900 Club would be um, done on a bus. Yes. <laughs> so, like, it's almost like you're bringing the audience mm-hmm. with you yeah. and putting them into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is still performance yeah. art. It's live literature performance mm-hmm. art. And, like, you see people come out with their videos and they're crafted beautifully. And I'm like, I wonder how Spoken Word Theatre would come across yeah. on the screen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard because then... My first thought would be for the 100 Club, which you set on a bus, like, oh, awesome, you can have this, like, one shot almost. But then it's like, okay, but isn't that super boring? Like, what does that add to what we wrote? You know, so initially I go, yeah, that's exciting. And then I go, but how, like, how does it stay exciting over an hour of us talking? And that's the shot. So, because there's not much more to see on a bus. um, I think I would probably want to write something specifically for that yeah yeah because we do a lot of describing the scene or setting the scene in our poetry for our shows because you have to and then if you have video with it you don't have to do that um so you probably have to write something that doesn't do that specifically so you don't have this like overexposure for your audience yeah
1: Mm, of course should we listen to the
2: second poem oh that's a good
1: idea yeah more poetry Do you want to introduce yeah. your
2: second poem, BB? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've brought today three poems about being bi in different ways. <laughs> the second poem is about being bilingual. Uh, and it, um so I'm originally from Amsterdam. I'm Dutch. Uh, and I moved to Glasgow about six, seven years ago, quite a while. Uh, and I mostly, I basically only write in English, which I find a shame sometimes because I do love the Dutch language and I think being bilingual is a great thing. So I wrote this poem to kind of get at the arrogance of native English speakers. (laughs) Because I think there is a lot of arrogance that comes from cultural history of, you know, owning the whole world and blah blah blah, all that. So this one is about that uh, and about my difficult feelings towards the English language, which I love because my job is writing words in English and I also hate it. <laughs> so this poem doesn't have a name uh, But I hope you all enjoy it My moedertaal klinkt als Kogels door een kerk Onherroepbaar niet van hier My accent only makes sense As you a native tongue kent The truth is I've got nothing to say to you I'm not native Not to this country And not to this language I will never wrap my tongue around your sentences the way you do. It's muscle memory and geheugen that I don't have. But I've got muscle nonetheless. Ik spreek meer dan drie talen. Ik ken verhalen van het winstreken waar ik heb neergestreken. And I have taken poetic inspiration for every place and every word I've ever laid eyes on. Whether native or stranger, it's a wealth of information that's zeer belangrijk in mijn leven. I used to envy all the Queen's men for their ability to understand and reciprocate the nuances of this language that I've come to hate. And who would my mijn stem deed haten. There was een tijd dat ik mezelf nauwelijks meer verstond in my attempts my mond om te vormen tot het achtste wereldonder. Now I've come to pity those whose vocal wit will gain them entry into every entrance, but I'll never find reasons to find themselves in the foreign imaginations. Y por qué no? Porque solamente hablas inglés y crees que es suficiente, but you don't know the depths of other languages. Sentences that simplify concepts into expressions, you don't feel them in your bones. The way that makes sense geen zin maakt in het Nederlands. <laughs> the way that the monkey does not come out of your sleeve is it thus mine, but we both carry our hearts there sometimes. See, the differences in our languages aren't all that many. Yet the pathways paved by gaining a new understanding are plenty, it's the journey that matters, not the ending. What I'm saying is, if you have the chance, learn another language. Start with the simple things. The way you can say things easily. When I teach my friends without telling them what it means, see, just have fun with it. And if you still feel like you don't have a reason to find yourself beyond anglophone borders, Remind yourself that you stole the words out of the other people's mouths for centuries. Created a world order based on obedience at the some people. English still sounds like the crack of a whip that the some people. English still sounds like a mystery that my great grandmother lost her language to a war she fled from straight from her mother tongue into colonial history, so. I'm not saying this for me. I've got nothing to gain from reminding myself that I will never be at home in this place or in this language. The and paved all I'm saying is. If you still speak freely, remind yourself of the privilege of being understood by many. Remind yourself that your mother tongue is a privilege had by few. Remind yourself to speak more than just when spoken to and use this tongue for good. You've been given an incredible gift, but there is ignorance that comes with that bliss. So what are you going to do about it?
0: I am 100% obsessed with the fact that you're a sociologist. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. As a fellow social scientist, what mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> did you study? Um, I did sociology and information and uh, social computing. Okay, yeah. yeah. She no. was she was a hoot in college. I was a hoot in college at a whole class fonts that I loved. Um, anyway, um, I I'm also obsessed with the fact that those themes are so clearly evident in your personal mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a conscious effort? Did you're writing? Well, obviously it's a conscious effort, but <laughs> it just came up just like that one day, it just, it just, one day just <laughs> Don't even edit my words. <laughs> but like, did you sit down one day and be like, "This theme is really important to me. I'm gonna write about this," or were you just like, "I happen to be writing, and this is the thing that is constantly mm. on my mind at the moment"? Or did it take a lot of like thinking about the topic first and mm. then going into it? Or like, what, what, how, how does that whole thing work? <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: so. (laughs) (laughs) so for me uh I think it's partially that what I studied came from who I am and what I want to know about in the world and what I write about comes from that same source so there's an overlap there obviously and then there's the way I write about the things that I write about very much comes from having studied those topics uh and I feel like that gives me a lot more space to discuss things outside of my own experiences. Mm -hmm. Because my interest in them comes from my own experiences but I find it a lot more I feel like there's a lot more longevity in talking about things beyond your own experience when it I don't know what I'm trying to say No I do. I feel like there's a lot more longevity in talking about things in a way that is backed up by research and by by knowledge. And that doesn't have to be academic knowledge. Uh, I think, for example, when it comes to gender, there's a lot of knowledge that exists among the queer community Mm. that doesn't exist within academia. And I know this because I tried to do that research and wasn't allowed to. So I I struggled with academia a lot, uh, coming from my background, wanting to talk about certain things in certain ways, and there not being a place for that. And I found that place in poetry. But that doesn't mean I let go of that kind of rigor and interest in the whole story and stuff beyond my own experiences in life. Because I do try to stick to what I know and what I have a voice in, what I have a stake in. Yeah, I find that really important. I don't like poetry about other people's experiences that the poet themselves don't know anything about.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is so interesting considering you do spoken word theater.
2: Yeah. Well, all of it's based on things that I know still. And that's very important to me.
1: Because I suppose when you are writing and you're performing your own poetry, you're not playing a character. You're being yourself.
2: Yeah. I tried. So I I used to write. I think this is a a thing that a lot of people do. I think a lot of people start writing from their own experiences. And I think that's great. I think poetry can be great as catharsis. I think poetry can be great to share experiences and, and see how other people see the world and what they have experienced and especially when it comes to knowledge and experiences that are generally uh, stunted a little bit by society. Um, you know, uh, women and their trauma. I think that's a beautiful thing that happens through poetry where you see people coming together and talking about these things that society does to women yeah. and finding a place to discuss that where they don't get stopped, where they don't get talked over. You know, they own this stage. They get to talk about this. And that's fantastic. I did a lot of that for sure when I started. No, still to an extent do. I just nowadays keep it to myself, I think. Um, because I because of two reasons. One, I try to protect myself. Uh, you know, the more you perform, the more people see your work, the more you realize people are hearing stuff about me that I wouldn't tell to anyone. So yeah, why yeah. am I doing that? Mm. And then the other one is I do find a lot of power and a lot of energy in nuance and in saying things that aren't as straightforward as here's my experience and I find that really interesting to discover and explore and the 100 Club is about mental health for example a lot of it's about mental health that's what we kind of wanted to write about but there's a lot about like people with mental illness can be horrible to the people around them they can still be great people and there's a nuance there and we we tried to and that's, you know, when you have an hour, that nuance is so much easier to find. Yeah. Because mm. doing that in three minutes is impossible. It's yeah. impossible for me, at least. Like, I, I struggle with it. So three minutes can be great. An hour, fantastic. Like, mm. in an hour, you can say so much. You can say, you can you know, we created this character called Nola. No one sees him in the whole play because, you know, he's dead, but he's there. He's fleshed out. Yeah, he's a character and he's... He existed, and he—he's not just a fictional character. He's someone that we piece together from all our own experiences, rather, either with our own mental illnesses or with, you know, having experienced that in the people around us. And he's—he's he's lovely and wonderful and a great friend. And he was also a dick, and he did horrible things. And that nuance that we then, you know, put it put into a character, but we wanted to talk about those things that don't necessarily always get discussed to that depth. Mm. and I think that's what inspires my work a lot like that looking for nuance looking for a wider idea of my own experiences
0: I get that you do it in a very very interesting way right where it's I mean of course it's emotional but it's nearly not scientific but like slightly theoretical as well Mm. you know what I mean like you blend like things that I would have read personally and experienced personally as well with storytelling in a beautiful, beautiful way. Because I think academia and the social sciences in particular, to do well in them, you do need to be versed in a certain type of storytelling when you're writing your Mm -hmm. essays. Mm -hmm. But to blend that then with the creative and slightly more emotional elements, but still make it entertaining and very digestible for the masses... Is kind of exactly what we need right now. You know what I mean? Do you, do you mm. get my point? Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah no, that's, no, that's no, really down down You know, um, which which so I, I really enjoy, to be perfectly mm. honest, and is something that it's the I think it's the the type of Irish, let alone like spoken word that we need right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Because okay, because I deal with a lot of people. I'm the non poet on this podcast. We all know, like I say it all the time, <laughs> right? So I'm my train of thought is like. Can I show this to my dad or my little sister or my boss at work and be Mm. like, "Do you have a better understanding of this topic or this framework, or are you more interested now in this from listening Mm. to this piece?" And I genuinely think your work does that. Where a lot of work this like nowadays is very very emotional and very very reactionary, which is completely fine. That's no problem. Enjoy your life, but I do think that your type of creation is the kind of work that will like transcend just you know us diehard <laughs> spoken word enthusiasts you know what thank I mean thank you so much no
2: it's great I love it no but it, I, I get what you mean and it's really lovely to hear because that is what I aim to do I I very much care about entertainment and accessibility uh, And yeah. those are like so important to my work but then I do come from a theoretical background that I love research and I love you know finding ways of telling the whole story like finding the whole story and for me I tried doing that in academia I couldn't find it there because I yeah. felt like a lot of things were left out of that world and and that you know it's such a lie we tell ourselves that that's where knowledge comes from I don't think that's true I don't think it comes from poetry either but for me poetry is a way for me to tell what I found to be the whole story and I tried to incorporate that. you know and that includes emotions and that includes theories and that includes all of that stuff and I, I don't I hate that those things are seen as separate and yeah. I think that is what I tried to get at in my poetry of here is a full story and it includes emotions and it includes social theory because you know we live in a society and nothing stands on its own nothing that mm. happens is yeah. just what happens and I, yeah so that's great to hear because that's exactly what I'm trying to do yeah the
0: only thing I can compare it to maybe it's because I'm obsessed with it right now is do you guys watch uh, Hassan Minaj's um, Patriot Act on Net- Netflix?
1: I've been told to watch it.
0: It's actually really good. He's basically it's a comedian who um, he talks about, you know, big issues going on in the world and he breaks down, you know, with a team of researchers, like a big topic. But obviously it's also a comedy show and it mm. happens each week. And that to me is like the best way for people to, number one, interact with uh, people of colour and see them in a nuanced mm. way, mm-hmm. you know, talk about politics, but also just relevant social issues but also enjoy themselves mm. you know what I mean and it's shareable and it's like very you know 2019 is yeah, yeah. very lit. you know your approach yeah. reminds me of that kind Thank of you. genre of That's, like
2: yeah it's really interesting because we in Holland we have a sort of tradition of stand-up or of comedy that is very much about telling a story so you you'll get comedy shows that are like a full story on its own mm-hmm. with many like side, side stories and, and it's really, really funny, funny it. but often it's also really political or emotional yeah. and it's super in that I grew up with a lot of that and that's definitely been an inspiration for me in my work, rather than like the the jokey yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, here's a joke, there's a joke, here's a punchline comedy that I see a lot more around me now. Um, so that, yeah, that's been a great, so that's funny that you mentioned that. No,
0: it's, I'm like super excited for you, because I feel like people are going to eat this shit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, and I know I haven't said it yet, but all the links will be in the description on our website. Um,
1: <laughs> Check out BB in five years. They'll be taking over the world. <laughs> Don't worry, we're gonna get Not. our
0: autographs now. We'll see you in five years. for... Uh, we'll see say five K piece. Yeah, yeah, sounds goes. Ten percent. Ten percent.
2: So five oh, K, um, you can have that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we'll take a risk. It's my rent for another month. So will we
1: talk about the third poem? Yes.
2: Yes, uh, I'd love to. Uh, the third piece is uh, it's called Drip it's a lot more recent than the other two. Uh, the second one isn't that it's not that old but like I said I tend to work on my pieces a lot longer now so this one I've been working on it for a while but it's still very recent. I haven't really performed it much and it was written in reaction to two things. One of them is about the current political climate and specifically Brexit uh, and that happening uh, in a period where I was starting to feel at home in Glasgow for the you know that was like four years five years in and i was finally starting to feel like i was home in this place and then that happened and that's a big fuck you that's a big like you know we don't we don't really care and and then and it wasn't scotland that's the problem like scotland didn't it's gonna get very political but yeah so brexit you know we all know you know we know those feelings um and on the other side uh, my family is dutch indonesian and my great-grandmother who i who lived until i was about 21 she came over from indonesia to live in amsterdam and i only realized the impact of that on my family and on me when i was about 2021 20, when she died i started to think about those things and i realized the massive impact that has had like who we are is is shaped by that and i think those things kind of came together to mean so much to me you know this this being a foreigner in this country but also to an extent being a foreigner like i don't have a dutch history behind me it's indonesia on one side and then it's poland on the other from my dad's side so yeah a lot of feelings there um and this is not the only poem that i've written about that this is just the one that kind of happened from that my feelings about brexit that i've been ignoring for ages because like, who wants to think about that shit right uh, and I didn't want to write a Brexit poem. I didn't want to be like, fuck Brexit. You know, that does well with the crowds, but, like, that's Wait, not what I wanted to write. is that a
0: theme now? Are people doing Brexit prom? Prom? Proms. <laughs> Maybe Some not proms. here
2: so much. Maybe not here. But, like, definitely ah, in Scotland.
0: Um No, I just think,
2: you know, because it's really, I find it really easy to be political because everything about me is political, politicized, I should say, um... But this was one where I wanted to kind of find that emotion behind it, you know, like mm. how 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 sad is it? Like how sad is it that I'll have to apply and potentially pay for the same rights that I have now, and and how sad it is is it that my great grandmother had to leave Indonesia after that whole history and the things that Holland did to Indonesia and colonialism and like those are really those are words like we say colonialism, but what what, what does it actually mean? What does it how yeah. what does it feel like? And that. Mm is something I feel like we ignore too much or that I ignore too much in my poetry because who wants to feel that shit you know (laughs) and so it's it's a personal discovery that I feel is necessary and I feel like a lot of especially poets of color really need to feel comfortable in doing that and and learn to become comfortable because I see a lot of this happen where we all we, we talk the politics and we say the big words and we we do all that and it's a performance for a white audience And it ends there. And it doesn't go further because we don't feel comfortable saying our own truths and our own feelings. And that's a really long introduction to a very short poem. So here's Trip. Since setting foot on this soil for good, I've spoken more apology than truth. I felt the lack of endorsement reinforce my otherness. It bothers me. Spontaneity smothered by Britishness We play a skittish tug-of-war I am found too forward in this backwards culture We see eye to eye at the standstill On one side, the child forced into assimilation Less ancestor than surrounding Stung wet with pronunciation Pavlov's appreciation dripping, drip, drip Drip spiraling downwards, chin wet with regret Do you speak to your mother with that tongue? You should feel sorry, feel ashamed, feel apologetic Feel nothing, better let it sit Thick with insipidness, fester under skin Where blood binds foreign to kin An eye for an eye at the standstill I, born underneath the sea Grind my teeth on your grit Speak polite, follow your writ Abide my time, bindingly It sits wrong with me. That I should retaliate my own mistakes, teach self-hatred as cultural tradition, but I can't stop fitting this body through the gates. Bite my tongue out of habit or because I've grown addicted to the taste of blood in my own mouth, I was born a foreigner. This liminal position feels like home to me. Reminiscent of bedtime stories about the soft cushion of ownership. I'm used to being the hidden history of a country, so... I'll only find it comforting when I finally become yours.
0: So it's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Oh yeah, two questions and a demand.
1: Do we have a jingle for this yet?
0: No, we don't. Stop asking me every single time. I'm not making a jingle for two questions and a demand. Ding, 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 ding. Oh no. <laughs> there it is. I I got your is jingle. <laughs> Jesus. Um... Oh yeah. What's the first one? You what's? It?
1: You no, can I, never remember.
0: I'll leave
1: you alone. <laughs> BB June. Mm-hmm. If you could be a pizza topping, <laughs> what topping would you be and why?
2: I would be pineapple because I'm very controversial. I don't like want to be, shouldn't be, but I am. Apparently.
1: Strong answer. It's a very strong answer. It's original too. We've never heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, those are (laughs) bitchy.
0: Um what did you say? About Melissa. Sorry, Adams. um, Adam Lawler is here. He you must have heard him before, but he said something really sassy earlier on about the way that Melissa throws shade. (laughs) Mm I said it was like poetic shade. Poetic shade. Melissa throws poetic shade. Very yeah, it's very creative, and it also drags people to filth. Drags people to filth and is creative. If you guys didn't hear that, I feel
2: like I want to re-record this now because i feel already like trash. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's okay. you can shit you what can shit the
0: week.
1: I'm feeling oranges for some reason oh
0: my god why I'm, do you as a pizza yeah I'm feeling oranges always picking the extra oh ones like yeah. no, no one has
2: oranges that doesn't like, like, ooh no wait can I change my answer go ahead go ahead banana oh my okay god. so this is an actual thing that people have in Sweden on their pizzas
1: I can, I can I'm down with that I would try banana, banana on pizza. and peanut butter
0: oh yeah I'll go down for peanut what? butter 100%. actually like peanut butter hell yeah <laughs> on a pizza though oh my god peanut okay. butter wow. and cheese I didn't cheese? expect this to be so no like... no cheese no 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 you won't put the cheese on it like it's yeah. like a sweet pizza thing. no Instead
2: no no like... it's like a legit pizza but with
0: wait they put the cheese in the I don't know put,
2: but I think they put sauce on. I'm not sure anymore but I'm pretty sure they put their sauce on well them. if we're talking about sweet
1: pizzas put some orange on mine oh my god
2: okay that's disgusting shh <laughs>
1: I'm feeling sweet and juicy. I want to be an orange. Mm, oh
0: my God, y'all <laughs> all right. can never unhear
1: that. All right, Mel, go on.
0: Um, I'm feeling really, 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 really boring today, so I'm just gonna say like cherry tomatoes. You know, no one says it. no to a cherry tomato. You know, a cherry tomatoes just a cherry tomato. You know, the
1: the, so- is the sauce is no, <laughs> no, literally tomato. I know, but the but sauce like, is literally tomato. You're yeah, you adding no, to no, the no, sauce. That's exactly,
0: nice. yeah. like you know, you no know, one cool. like if you got if let's say you're in a restaurant, right, and uh, you know you're with a bigger people, they order those pizzas and there's a cherry tomato on your pizza. You're not going to say no to a cherry tomato. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just there. Yeah. You know, that's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> I'm just, just, just a cherry tomato. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: longest section. <laughs>
0: Stop. Um, uh, if you were to have one superpower, mm-hmm. what would that be
2: and why? So this one's from the online, right? So it's not my original answer, technically. But okay. I would want the ability to control probability.
0: Oh, we've had this.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. sake. I thought I was going to sure. cool. No, we I need a, a reason. We need yeah. a reason, though. Okay, okay. So because, you know, you can, like, you can literally make anything happen. Or not happen. You yeah. can just make sure that it does. And that, you know, oh, I really would like some money to pay my rent next week. 100% probability that a bag just drops in front of your door. I mean that's fantastic. Like you, you can yeah. do anything. Like, yeah. it's, it's like
1: no strings attached. Or is like there is there, no, like a, you, is that can... the beginning of the story? Is there like a <laughs> plot to like unravel from that? The bag drops and then it's no, like... but oh, you can it. you can
2: make that's it hundred percent probability that a, that a that a you know no no ties bag drops on your front step. Like that that's that's a superpower. I want. Mm.
1: No, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, I think mine would be um the power of self-diagnosis. So like if you've got something wrong with you. You don't need to go to a doctor, you know instantly what's wrong with you. Is this I coming mean, from anything relevant <laughs> at are the you moment? Okay, like, like, one.
0: But <laughs> also, why didn't you just go for I wish I could just diagnose any illnesses? Because then you can diagnose yourself, you can diagnose others, you know. That's someone does bad news. What? What
2: if someone doesn't know yet? What if everyone you meet you're then like, oh ooh. Mm.
1: Mm, oh, maybe I'm just selfish. Maybe I'm just like, I need to look after myself. What if you else. what
2: if you realize you have something you didn't know? that be shit, not it? I? Mm. I suppose, yeah. I guess like, if you find it early, yeah, that's, that's the true. point. That's if the you point. Find if, it real early. You, <laughs> if you have the power
1: to know exactly what was wrong with you and pinpoint mm. where, then I mean, why why
2: would you not just then have the superpower of super health? Oh yeah. <laughs> Just ne- just never get
1: sick, I suppose, yeah. Lures. I'm trying I'm trying to make it realistic, okay. I'm trying to make oh, it yeah, somewhat realistic. Power. Yeah, needs to Just shut. Okay, fine, you out over mine. Fine, it's fine. <laughs> Melanie, what's yours?
0: I would really, really love it if um I got like a special like tattoo of an eye on the back of my neck or like somewhere on my body and I could basically point it at something and it would turn into gold. <laughs>
1: So, an eye on the back of your neck.
0: Or maybe on my hands. Like, okay.
1: <laughs> 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 and like, you don't know where we're aiming at. Which does your does, eye does your the eye extend. extend to To your hair? <laughs> no.
0: It's all, It's like a tattoo of one. And okay. then I'm like, activate power, you know what I mean? And then it just turns something <laughs> so into So, it gold. is
2: controllable. Like, oh, it's yeah. not like you walk
0: around and the no. street behind you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's why I wanted it like somewhere where I wouldn't accidentally just like turn mm. things into gold. Like, mm. I don't want to be like shaking someone's hand and like whoops you're now gold Do you know what I mean yeah. and I'm like who's going to be looking at the back so of so what name?
2: you're like, saying is
0: you want to be the gold digger 100% <laughs> you heard it here first mm, super yeah, name it's going in my LinkedIn bio <laughs> <laughs> the gold
2: digger I don't think you should write that down LinkedIn's uh, not for dating kids <laughs> <laughs> okay oh, whatever, so right.
1: we have asked our two questions and now we come to our demand BB June, would you please give us a story that's been wholesome or funny or a joke or something horrifically embarrassing that you should not tell people but we want to know anyway?
2: <laughs> All my embarrassing stories are super mundane because there's the anxiety kicking in about like these mundane things you did wrong. Yeah. Anyway. No, I feel I'll go over something wholesome because that's my brand. Uh, I would. <laughs> that's so good. Sorry. I would say. One of the nicest poetry moments I've had. Or one of the like yeah, was UniSlam two years ago when I first met Melissa oh! and I did the whole Dublin crew and that, that Uni Slam that whole weekend was just was I think the first time that I'd gone outside of Glasgow and be around other poets and just that getting together and seeing so much great poetry and meeting so many people who all love the same thing and then you know, spending time together outside of the slam as well. And that was just all so nice and lovely. And she really showed me what I loved about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it gave me that extra push to be like, I think this is what I want to do. So that's Amazing. My, that's that's an awesome so story.
1: Sweet. That's so awesome and lovely.
2: Yeah, we, we seshed hard
1: on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want say it, but...
2: That's not my brand. That's my brand. <laughs>
1: Well, that's it for another uh, episode. Thank you, BB June, so Thank much for so being much on for it. Me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yes, um, I had to nab you while you were in Dublin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to see BB June um, perform poetry, um, are you going on tour with 900 Club this year?
2: Not with 900 Club, we have a different show oh. on a going on tour called Makeshift, which is a whole new show, mm-hmm? which is hopefully going to be touring like all over England, Scotland, and Ireland. If all goes well, uh, it's not all planned out yet. So we don't know where we're going yet, but um, yeah, makeshift online you can find us at in the works in the works theater.com, which is all our socials on it. I'm on Facebook bb june, bb june poetry, something like that. Oh,
1: we have all the links, don't cool. worry. Cool. Yeah,
2: it'll be done there. Uh, you can see it all in there.
1: Yeah. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. And it guys, we hope better. you enjoyed their poetry. They're a fantastic artist. Um and check them out. Because you won't regret it. That sounded mm-hmm. oddly threatening. I don't know why. <laughs> That's your brand. <laughs>
0: Um, As usual, don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, do the thing. So, this podcast now isn't just on um, Apple Podcasts, it is now on Spotify and, to be honest, most decent uh, podcasting apps. Thank you very much, Anchor. So, do the thing, tell a friend. And
2: enjoy
1: your lives. Oh, can people buy your pamphlet anywhere?
2: Yes, they can buy that indeed. <laughs> nice. Uh, they can buy it on the Speculative Books website, which is speculativebooks.net. We'll find it. And it's, it'll, it it's, it'll, it'll be down down the in the You It's like seven or eight quid. Um, yeah, it's great. Buy it. Support
1: local artists. Buy the book. Woo.
2: Woo.
0: lives. Bye. Bye.